Welcome to Flock Out, the official podcast of Beyond the Flock Media, where company owner Chris Dolan and media professional Christina Yanata engage in dialogues about the creative process, their love of films, and making your entrepreneurial ambitions a reality. Often we are joined by guests who consist of both clients of Beyond the Flock Media's services as well as collaborators who have worked with Chris or Christina. The conversation is free-flowing, starting with an exploration of the guests' history and inspirations, and then we flock out to who knows where. Our guest today is Anita Gannison. She was the lead actor in Beyond the Flock Media's first feature film, Bloom. She is also a filmmaker who is working on a couple of different projects of her own. Hi, Anita. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? Really excited to talk to you today. Was acting something that you've always wanted to do? Um, I mean, being the lead role in a feature film is a pretty big deal. So is this, you know, something that you've always wanted to do? Or did you start out doing something different and land on this? How did you get to where you are today with this? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, acting, I think, is something that's, I mean, I feel like every actor has this inherent passion to do it. Um, it's whether you get opportunities like this um, that are really, really special. So I think I've been, I've always wanted to act with the intention of doing it, but not really knowing how to do it for a very long time. And what's interesting about being an Indian actress is that it's not necessarily always on the table that you can uh, be, you know, go into the arts. My background is actually in engineering. Uh, that's what I went to college for. And uh, yeah, I think having like a, both a creative side and an analytical side has always like been very helpful to me. But I've always remembered I wanted, I've been a natural performer. I feel like my storytelling abilities, like I just do that naturally. Mm-hmm. And I just remember um, living with my dad in India at one point and he was like, what kind of room do you want? I was like, I don't care if I don't have a bed. I just want a little stage. And so he built me like this little soapbox area that I could just like, do whatever I wanted on it. Um, And yeah, it's always just something that I've always been very passionate about. And having the, you know, experience of being a lead actor on a wonderful project uh, was just mind blowing. It's so great. It's like wonderful to be able to be doing something that I love so much. I'm just curious about the engineering thing. Uh, was it a specific um, an, uh, field of engineering, electrical? Um, yeah, you know? electrical. So um, I went to UMass Amherst, okay. and uh, they have a great engineering program there where you can kind of do a dual bachelor's uh, in electrical and computer systems. So I did hardware and software engineering. So I did that, and I got a job as an engineer right after college, and then I really started figuring out the acting scene in Boston, Mm. mostly through commercial work and uh, figuring out how agents work and figuring out, um, you know, just networking with other amazing filmmakers. Was a moment when you were like really young when you realized, um, I guess you liked film in particular. I mean, was there a certain film you saw when you were young that really, I don't know, invigorated you or inspired you or you kept rewatching like thousands of times over for years after? (laughs) Oh man, I think Bend It Like Beckham was the first time I ever saw an Indian actress that wasn't in Bollywood. And that really got me. Um, Yeah, I'd never seen someone that looked like me on TV growing up. And I I used to watch a lot of shows like, I don't know, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, like just very um, 
femme, pro-femme uh, films and, and TV shows. And I, I love the medium of television. I just think that it's just so accessible to so many people. Mm -hmm. And um, there's so many relatable stories on television, especially sitcoms. I just dr get drawn to them. Um, but yeah, I just uh, have been so drawn to the medium and a film, film has always been, I love film. I also feel like I have, uh, sometimes I have ADD and I cannot focus on a whole film for a very long time. Mm. But just the aspect of filmmaking has always enticed me from, from script to screen. I just think it's so amazing how many steps there are and how much there needs to be and how collaborative it is um, of a project. It's not, it's not like other art forms. Like you really have to like work as a team to, to make something really great. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned, you know, watching TV shows and sitcoms and things like that. Is that um, something that you would really like to work more specifically in? Like, would you prefer to work more in like TV shows and sitcoms and things like that? Or would you rather go towards feature films or does it not really matter? How do you feel about working in either? I, I think it's more based on the script and who you're mm. working with and mm. really just the story in general. Like I, I, I never saw myself, I never really defined myself as either a comedic actress or a dramatic actress. I just feel very drawn to a script and um, love- Or a tragic actress. Yeah, or a tragic <laughs> actress, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, all the avenues of that. And all the emotional, uh, you know, the, the whole emotional spectrum um, of acting. But yeah, I, I, I never really, I never try to typecast or put myself in one avenue because it's all so much fun to just uh, explore and see what nuances you can bring to a character from your own life. And I always, uh, watching so many sitcoms growing up, I felt like I, I would be naturally drawn to only comedic roles um, and improv and, and doing all that. But for some, I mean, there's so much meat and, and story-driven and character-driven um, storytelling when it comes to dramas that sitcoms don't necessarily give you. <laughs> yeah. I think first, if you could just um, give like a quick little blurb about um, your character, like, you know, just tell us, obviously we know that, you know, you were the, the lead role, but why don't you just tell us a little bit about the character itself and then from there we can unravel everything with the character because there's a lot going on with this particular character. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot uh, during this film. So um, Mara Anderson, um, she's a writer, um, a, success, a successful one. This yes. is her book. That is my, my <laughs> yes, with, with all the lovely reviews on the back. <laughs> it even has like inserts. Um, I'm not going to show the reviews on the back. Um. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's all stellar reviews. You don't need to yeah. read it. It's fine. <laughs> but um, yeah, so she is a number one New York bestseller. Uh, she had a, um, a book that she wrote. And then after that, she, her life kind of just, um, she had a sense of ennui, right? As we, mm -hmm. as we put it, um, where she kind of felt lost. And after, you know, she has been through something quite traumatic. Um, and just dealing with those emotions and trying to find a creative space with, I mean, I think as, as creatives ourselves, dealing with the barrier of, of not being able to create, sometimes that can be 
you know, kind of like this second person in your brain that's like, this isn't happening. You got, you got road, uh, there's a, a mental block that, that tends to happen. And I think you see that over time and she's really trying to figure this out. Um, and maybe it's not in the, the greatest, <laughs> maybe it's not in the most healthy way, but she's figuring it out for herself. I think really this film, in hindsight, it has actually grown with me. Um, I think when I was when I was first looking at the script and, and when Chris was telling me the idea, because we didn't really have a solid script in the beginning, it was more of this, let's see what happens and, and really perform. And um, because I think there's a scene at the bar that was pretty improvised between mm. me and um, Abner. And, you know, looking back on it, I feel like it was the start of a metamorphosis for myself as well, which was kind of what Samara was going through as well. Um, being one type of person, you know, knowing how to be this one type of person and then trying to kind of, you know, uh, unravel yourself at times. And I think the script, honestly, and, and going through her, her life and really gave me a little bit more courage, I think, to deal with my own trauma and to deal with my own um, anxieties of things. And there was so much, so much of the, the film, I think, really just prefaced a lot of what was going on with me for the next three years. It was, it was, it was beautiful in a way because it was a bit of a parallel. And for me, being an Indian actress, dealing with your, I mean, being Indian, I think we don't, or, or I just specifically say this because we're not very good at, at talking about mental health and talking about, you know, our trauma and dealing with that and being open and, and available to that type of just, just exposing yourself, being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I think being Samara for that time really allowed me to kind of understand that about myself. So, you mentioned that there really wasn't um, much of a script when you started with this. So was that, did you see that as an opportunity to be like a good challenge? Did you um, feel like, oh gosh, like how, how are we going to do this? Um, <laughs> Definitely both. <laughs> <I think> yeah. <laughs> um, for sure. Because I had never, I had never been in a film that didn't have a concrete script from the beginning. But also was very intriguing to me because when you put a bunch of creatives in a room, something magical is going to happen. And I felt those moments happening a lot over time. And then I think that eventually to try and kind of understand how this story was going to arc and, uh, you know, fitting it into a feature film time slot, I think then you need a little bit of structure. And that's where Chris came in where, I mean, Chris was really hands-on. Uh, if you really think about it, a lot of people don't, create films without the script super, super concrete. And then you realize, you know, filmmaking is a continuous art form that's like just evolution after evolution. And at one point you're gonna have to just kind of just do it. And I think it was really impressive to be able to just get everyone in a room, you know, have a semblance of what you wanted to do on, on set and just do it and see what happens and create that magic. Um, and yeah, Chris was very hands-on with all the actors, really being able to twist our um, emotions and really being able to bring that different sides of us out, even when we didn't know what was going to come out. And I think that that's really exciting um, and definitely left every day to be very, um, you know, you wanted to keep coming back because you were actually having fun on mm. set. Good.
How did you, um, I mean, we did a lot of improvisation in the beginning. I don't know if you want to talk about that, but um, did, you, did you enjoy that part of the process in terms of preparation? Yeah, preparation was, um, you know, definitely I have my own instrumental preparation, but preparing something without having a script or even kind of seeing where um, my character was going. But that was so interesting to me because when in life do we ever know where we're going? But I, I really, I did enjoy it. I think with the other actors, it was just really fun to kind of, because we had just met. So improving really allows you to just kind of meet as individuals without really having the constraints of small talk or anything like that. And yeah, I think we all vibed really well. And I think that's why the improv worked really well too. A lot, a lot of thanks goes out and it's in the credits of the film too. There was actors not in the film that helped with the film. Uh, during the improvisational process, I, Anita had a couple scene partners. Uh, one was um, this young, young, very talented actress named Sarah Dreyfus. Um, she worked with Anita in a couple scenes and we kind of developed um, Samira's childhood, <laughs> as you would say. Um, I don't, do you remember that, Anita? We went to the library and we went into like a rehearsal space and we yeah. pretended you were like a baby and then we pretended you were like in fifth grade. <laughs> oh my goodness. So cool. I mean, it was really such a, I mean, it was a, it was also like kind of an acting exercise in, in a way where you're really bringing it back to the roots of just filmmaking and, and the creative process. It was really fun. And even, even though I had, I, I remember going into that library and I'm like, what am I, like, what's going to happen? And I think that, that ex that's exciting to me um, and and developing it with you just being able to develop this character with you is super fun um, and and I remember I guess it was also diff it was not difficult but I think when I look at the film it's gonna be interesting to watch it because I feel like a lot of my preconceived notions about what the film was about is gonna be so different and yeah. I'm like excited to see that shift and there were so many other characters that I had to see, okay, how exactly do we all line up or how yeah. is this? Going? And that's intriguing too. That's what you want from a movie, not knowing what's going to happen. Well, what, what you're talking about is what happened to me making it. I, I didn't know what it was when I was making it. Although as a director, you have to pretend you know what the heck you're doing, you know. <laughs> For everybody else's sake, as somebody has a question, you have to make up an answer. Um, no. Take it till you make it. But um, yeah, the, the film, I think the original notion, I did write a treatment first. That was the only real piece of writing that existed prior to like shoot day one. Um, it was going to be kind of um, more of a multi-plot art house film, but it is, I actually ended up did focusing it on your character eventually. Um, so you're not the lead by, you're kind of the lead by proxy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it always ends up on the cutting room floor. That's, that's what happens. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see it too, because when you're working with so many different it really felt like we were working with different character plots because as the, the bar scene was always my my favorite I think yeah. because you never knew who was going to show up and what what kind of interaction you're going to have mm -hmm. um and it was it was really a fun experience definitely I I feel like that scene comes off um pretty naturally too and I think it's uh, it kind of speaks to the method you use and the results that comes from it 
because you'll probably, I mean, you might, you might feel it too, that there's the scenes that are more heavily scripted in the film, which are later scenes, um, feel different than the scenes that are completely improvised. Mm -hmm. um, and just the dialogue is, is a little bit different too, but it actually, I mean, in my own opinion, I feel like it works in a sense because the film becomes more tense <laughs> as you go on, you know, watching it. But um, Chris, I actually, so one thing that Anita just mentioned while we've been discussing um, the script and also creating the story is that um, it was, there was a bit of, or maybe more than a bit of, but there was collaboration mm -hmm. um, between you two in particular um, for creating this character. Um, was that, um, was that also true for the rest of the story in terms of like collaborating with others within the cast or within the crew even for creating the story or was it something that you just kind of went as you know things were going along you're like okay this is where we need to go next what was that um process like if you want to talk to that a little bit um i, I kind of want to answer this in an inductive way <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Um, it's like, you know, kind of, I'll, I'll go to the beginning. I'm not going to make this a long story because I want to get to talking about collaboration, but I think it's important to talk about, um, where this project came from and why I even made it, I think, okay. um, to kind of grow into that. Um, I, I think in very similar sense to the character that Anita is depicting in this film, um, you have a person who's having trouble with writing. I mean, that's kind of where this started from um, for me. I had trouble with writing, um, and particularly in trying to make my first feature film. I probably had written uh, 10 feature scripts um, before this, and um, I was having trouble connecting to what I was writing. My heart was not in anything I was writing. And so what, what ended up happening is like, I, I decided to throw the rule book out the window and there's a lot of particular filmmakers that have done this. Wong Kar Wai was one of my main influences um, for doing this. Uh, he's famous for In the Mood for Love, uh, Chungking Express. Um, this is a filmmaker who uh, essentially, not all of his films, but his, some of his most well-revered films, he didn't use a script in a lot of scenes or if he used a script, he was more like Jean-Luc Godard in the sense that he wrote the script hours before the actors had to perform it. Um, I wasn't as bad. I tried to give these guys the script a week before uh, if they had to perform it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, I also, you know, devised to incorporate elements from other filmmakers that I had studied. Because when I watch a film, I mean, I, I'm very big into the Criterion collection. I don't just watch the film. I watch every single behind the scenes thing. I watch the commentaries and then I go online, look on YouTube, and I look at these directors actually talking to people in person and, you know, try to understand them psychologically and, you know, functionally how they go about do what they're, do what they're doing. And so it's all to say that I don't have necessarily one set of techniques. I borrow a lot of techniques um, in order to yield certain results. Uh, Mike Lay uh, is another, he's a, you know, what do you call it? A British realist filmmaker, uh, existential art house. He did this film Naked with David Thewlis. I think it was highly influential on this film in the sense that the techniques they used to use that, do that film was all improvisational based. He would improvise actors for months on end before he would decide what even the script was. And um, when you watch that, if you watch that film, you'll, you'll get that sense. These characters are almost too real, <laughs> you know? Um, it's kind of scary. Um, it, that film itself, Naked, is it's 
I, what, what I would like to say about it is it's that it's so dark that by watching it, it actually ma makes life seem fine. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's one of those films. <laughs> I mean, that is interesting that you say that because um, that's, I kind of felt that way bringing Samara to life because it's, you know, you, you have so much of life, people are telling you, you know, just put a smile on or don't think about it or, mm. you know, just watch something happy. Um, don't cry, you know, things like that. Uh, yeah. That just really shut you down and doesn't give you that access to an avenue of, of really releasing or, or, or releasing that darkness or, or, you know, embracing it sometimes. And I think that's what makes us human because we're so multidimensional and things are happening to us constantly that we need to, I mean, it's, it's incredible how much, uh, how much realism we had to bring in from our own realities to bring this, bring these characters to life. Because you're right, it's not all just uh, happy-go-lucky characters <laughs> like you see on TV, which is what I always saw um, growing up. And there's something very meaty and, and you know exciting to to look at the other the other side of life. I I do remember you being so intuitive to the point where even I didn't know where I was going or where we were going uh, with the character because you'd ask me a question, I would answer it. But then you would ask me another question that didn't necessarily relate at all to, to my answer. Things yeah. in your mind were moving at a different rate. And I think that that was your counterintuitive um, yeah. thinking and mindset. And that got me to where I need, you know, in different spots. Instead of that typical, all right, A to B, B to C mindset, you were really thinking outside of the box for a lot of, a lot of, the, a lot of, a lot of the scenes. And yeah. that was really cool. A friend of mine, um, oh, I'm not going to mention any names, uh, it, it was kind of like a, I know, a happy insult, um, you know, he, he said to me, <laughs> sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, you know, redact the language, so I'm not like cursing or whatever. Um, it's like, it's like you're throwing mud at wall and trying to see what sticks. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how I'd kind of describe the, the counterintuitive process. I mean, even the intuitive process, too. Um, yeah, definitely. Just try, trying, trying something to see how I feel about it, um, rather than just stick myself into the area um, that I know is working or I know is approximate. Like sometimes I think you kind of force yourself in a different direction to figure out what's not working. Really, what we're trying to do yeah. at the end of the day is create a feeling for the audience member and to really, you know, get something, trick, you know, percolating. Yeah. in your brain and being able to just kind of give them new thoughts and, and new reactions to things. And if you're feeling something while you're making the movie, that's a really good, um, <laughs> that's a really good angle that you're getting to the right place. Mm. I like having a bunch of different um, personalities and definitely in different places. And I'm, I'm trying to get to understand more um, a kind of spectrum of what works to yield the best results. And that's where my analysis comes from. I'll do a film and I'll understand well, this relationship led to this. What happens if I have, you know, a different type of relationship next time um, in terms of this particular department? Um, it might yield a different result or something, or it might be more effective or getting it somewhere quicker. Um, you know, it's, I mean, you, you could just say, you just, you know, learn to work with anyone and just use anyone on any project. I think it's important to learn what's being, what's actually effective and, um, you know, getting to a result and stuff and having some efficiency. Mm -hmm. So, so where are you headed now, Anita? Um, yes. I mean, do you have, I, I think, as I understand, you, you just made a film, right? And now yes. you're 
Yeah, let's let's talk yeah, about the that was in 2019. Um, it was a pretty quick turnaround. My director, uh, her name is Rev Joth Singh. She actually helped work on Bloom as well. She was yep. part of the crew. She was um, an excellent assistant director. Yes, she's <laughs> very focused. She loves directing. Yeah. She loves films. And we had this idea. Um, the, the movie is called Co-Moms. And it's about two women who are completely different uh, from care from their demographic to everything in between. And they have their own personal journeys with loss. And they decide to, uh, they actually fall in love uh, with the same child at an adoption agency. Oh, wow. And um, wow. end up, uh, they end up raising the child together. Um, and it's so, it's a bit of a dramedy. Um, and it's about transracial adoption. Um, it's about creating a home with, you know, creating a family without the bonds of blood. And I think that we, a lot of people can create, uh, I think family is, is what you define it as. So it's, it's, it's more of a, a, it's definitely a children's film, I feel like, definitely PG. Um, and it's something that I had a really good time. So we, we wrote it together. Um, I produced it with a lot of um, help from Chris. <laughs> I was like, how did you do this? Um, and, and making a film and bringing it to life is, is definitely not a small endeavor. And you have, it's, it's the combination of picking the right people and then like learning from every day's journey because it really is a journey. Every single day we were filming, there was something new that I was learning about. And even now in post-production, I'm like, man, I should have, I should have looked over the, the footage a lot more, or I, you know, I should have made sure that this was happening, yeah. but it was, I think also having a little bit of distance. I, uh, it was my first creation, uh, from being executive producer to a writer, um, and bringing a crew together. It's, uh, it was, it, and it all happened within a couple months. So I think we finished, we finished writing it in January, 2019, got, got the crew together, uh, by April, it took between May and August to to film it, and now we're in post production. And having that, and I got married in between that time. So having that time, congratulations. <laughs> so having that time in between, um, a little bit of distance, yeah. I think, has really helped me uh, figure out the next step with post production because looking at it with a with a new, fresh set of eyes is is something that i also learned about because once you're looking at something for and working on something so hard um it can kind of it can kind of take this emotional mental toll on you a little bit where i, I think this relates to writing as well where you just start to hate it and you're like what's yeah. going on <laughs> which i think is totally normal um yeah. but yes it was it's it was a beautiful film to make and uh, we hired a um a very new fresh face he's i think he um, his name, his, the name in the film was Tafia, and he uh, was thir uh, 10, year old, 10 years old. Uh, uh, so working with children was definitely different. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm very excited to to bring it to life. And so from then, I've been getting more into writing. I'm actually helping with a web series that's turning into a hopefully a Roku uh, television show um, called Peas in a Pod. So that's for my comedic side. Um, nice. It's definitely more sitcom-esque. And uh, and then just doing the whole acting thing, or at least as much as I can via Zoom, doing a lot of Zoom plays and such. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned something a little little ways back about um, you know Indian women in films and not be really seeing them when you were younger. 
I, I really, um, you know, I really agree that there's, um, especially when we were growing up, just the level of representation, what we were seeing on screen, it was kind of very, um, what do you say, very focused in terms of its demographic. And yeah. over the years, over the years, you did start to see more diversity, um, especially it kind of seems like companies started to make sure that there was diversity in films. But I think to some level with a lot of uh, specifically TV, although there was representation, I did feel like there was some, you know, misrepresentation. But what I would like to see, I think definitely is, is more diverse roles in heroic um, kind of positions in like a, terms of a script, uh, like either the protagonist or, you know, the hero role. Because a lot of times what we're getting with, uh, you know, putting diversity in films, we put them in positions that actually depict them bad. You know, it's right. like they might be sick, they might be drug addicts or something. I know I'm, I, I'm kind of speaking off the cuff about my own film because I, you know, I have a character whose sexuality I think is kind of ambiguous and he's kind of a bad guy and a drug dealer. Um, so <laughs> I think even from making Bloom, I'm learning certain things about, you know, even depiction. Um, you know, it's important to understand what you're depicting. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes, I mean, uh, you know, we try to tell the most authentic stories. And of course, there's, there's the line of, of being, um, you know, respectful to a certain yeah. race or demographic. But there's also just very truthful storytelling. And I think in this, in this film, you see the arc in which uh, Victor's character, what he goes through. And, you know, it's not necessarily the thuggish person that you yeah. normally see on screen. Um, and, and also, you know, being a lead of a, of a feature, I feel very proud of it because, um, and seeing so many people of color in, in one film, you don't see that. You don't see that um, much, or you see it, uh, you know, kind of in an ironic way. How I relate to, I think, people that are having their self-expression um, repressed um, in some sense. So I think I do have a place in my own heart where I can speak honestly about, you know, that side of things. And I, I think if that wasn't there, it'd be very difficult for me to relate. But I think as I go through this and work with, um, you know, a writing team and speak to more people, I'll find more areas of relatability. And then, you know, I think that's what has to happen. I, I love that you're saying that because in inclusivity from behind the camera to in front of the camera is so important, especially, and it always starts in the writer's room because yeah. a lot of these stories, um, and you can see it, if you look at their writer's room, it's very white and they could yeah. be telling a story about, you know, marginalized voices that already don't have a voice mm -hmm. and are now being taken away because now their stories are being told without really that authenticity that you were talking about. So I think that's so, so important. And I'm so glad that we're having that conversation because the more that we talk about it, the more it's going to be something that happens. And yeah. um, actually, P's, the, the uh, Peas in a Pod series that I was talking about, our writer's room has just an eclectic, um, you know, writer's group that's just from every, from age bracket, you know, we have a writer that's almost 70 mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, between 20, 25 and 70 years old. So it's, you know, inclusivity is not just every demographic. It's also goes beyond race and, and just bringing more people in and including them in these projects. For a majority of, Amer you know, Americans, this is the reality. Exactly. And having those conversations and, and listening. I think that is um, not just speaking about it, but actually listening to the other side and being able to do that without judgment or anger or blame, blame, but really taking it into ourselves and how we can all impact 
and and be impactful with with racial injustice it's 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 a hot topic i mean there's a yeah. lot to unpack there's that's why uh film is just an amazing way to do that um because you can you can create such magic between two two people just human connection i think uh we we have less of that nowadays well, it's, been, it's been great having you anita and um you know we'd love yeah. to have you back even if we're not talking about a particular project to just you know just definitely just talk about saving the world yeah let's start there um no it was wonderful talking to both of you as well and i i think that it's um definitely given me a lot of it's great to talk about films from this from like a, i'm using this uh very punnily with 2020 vision because uh <laughs> just being able to look back on it um I call this year hindsight. I was like, exactly. yeah, now, we're now heading into November hindsight. Hindsight. <laughs> every, every day, every week, we seem to be just kind of like learning more about, you know, how we're working and what we're not doing well. But mm. um, yeah, no, it, it's, it's was wonderful talking to you both and I could do it all day. I feel like we just have such a good rhythm. Thank you for listening. For more information about Beyond the Flock Media, check out our website, beyondtheflockmedia.com. Or you can catch the latest news and updates on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook pages. Until we meet again, don't forget to flock out! <laughs>